Well, good morning, Grace Life. Welcome to our online worship service this morning. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you uh, to this online worship experience. We hope that you're blessed. We hope that you're encouraged. We hope that the Lord speaks to you through his word this morning and that you're strengthened for whatever challenges you've been going through. Just know that God is faithful. God is with you. God has a plan and a purpose for everything. And so we want to honor him today. And we want to thank him for the finished work of Jesus on the cross on our behalf. And so let me go ahead and open us up in a word of prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings, God, upon our lives. Most of all, the blessing of salvation, the blessing that comes from the cross of Jesus, that our sins are forgiven, that we've been given new life, new hope, new joy in him. And so we want to declare his goodness and his praises this morning as a community. And so we praise you and we honor you today. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and lift up our voices. Let's lift up our hearts that we have a hope, we have a joy. We have blessings that are found not in ourselves or in the world around us, but in our trust and love of Christ. In Jesus himself are all these blessings that can be found. So let's go ahead and lift that up together in worship. This morning's responsive reading is out of the book of Psalms, Psalm 145, verses 5 to 12. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord, and your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will give examples of your power. He will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. Amen. Well, right now I'd like to invite us to a time of community prayer. Wherever God's placed you this morning, he wants to pray through our community. He wants to lift up the needs of our nation. He wants to strengthen our church, our local church through our prayers, and he wants to Pray for those that have pressing needs all around us. And so right now, I just want to invite you to a moment uh, to continue to lift up our nation, that God would continue to lead people to Christ and strengthen the churches across our land and give our leaders godly wisdom. Let's pray for our local church, uh, Church Every Day, our Grace Life community, as they begin to meet back in person. Let's pray for God's protection and blessing and direction over this new season. And let's pray for those that are worshiping online as well, that God will continue to minister to them and their families. And then let's also pray for those that you know that need special prayer, special encouragement. Let's pray for them that God may strengthen them and give them hope in the midst of whatever challenges and obstacles they may be going through. So let's spend a few moments in prayer, and then I'll I'll bring us back together in just a moment to pray for us. So let's close this time in prayer together. Father, thank you, Lord, for 
the many blessings you've given us, Lord. We have seen your faithfulness throughout this entire challenging season. We've seen how you've been faithful to your people, faithful to your church. We've demonstrated that we are more than a a building, that we are, in fact, your people scattered and spread out throughout the city to be your light and your hope. And so, God, we ask that you continue to lead us and direct us and strengthen us, Lord God. And so we praise you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. We've been in a series of the fruit of the Spirit, and our goal is to abide in Christ so closely and intimately that we would be a people who bear the fruit of the Spirit. And so today we're talking about the fruit of goodness. Psalm 27, 13 and 14 says this, I'm still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. You know, the Bible is full of declarations that God is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love. That's Psalm 86. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. That's Psalm 100. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. That's Nahum 1.7. And so we could quote so many of these verses in the Bible like that. And because God is good, all that he does is good. And it began from the very beginning when he created the heavens and the earth. And each day ends with a declaration that it was good. And so when the Bible teaches about what goodness is, typically it means um, that he is morally and upright, that he's pure, that he's just, that he's righteous, that there's no slightest hint of evil or sin or wrongdoing, and that he's absolutely perfect and that he is holy, that God always does what is right, and that God will not treat us unfairly, and that he will never break his promises. But I know that sometimes we, we have a problem with that idea because I think generally we have a very high opinion of what we deserve, right? We typically believe that we deserve good health. And so when the biopsy comes back positive, then we conclude that God is maybe treating us unfairly. And maybe we believe that we deserve financial security and prosperity. And so when we get handed that pink slip, we think that God has lost his goodness somehow. But the Bible says that God always does what is right. And so if there's a discrepancy between your expectation and your reality, then the problem usually is your expectations or or maybe an inflated idea of what God owes me. And so I know that doesn't satisfy many of us and it doesn't really comfort uh, us. But what we really need to know or what we're desiring to know is the question, is God really good towards me or is God really good towards us? Is he kind to me? Is he merciful to me? Is he compassionate to me? And so usually it's me-focused, and we want to know, is God good to me? And the answer to that is, yes, God is good towards us. Psalm 31 says, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. Most of us could think of examples in our lives of how God has been good to us. Maybe there was a job opening, or maybe there was a promotion, or maybe there was a a new relationship and positive memories. I mean, we could go on and on of how God has been good to us. And God has been good to his people throughout history. 
But if that is true in your life, then why is it that we doubt a lot, often about his goodness? Why do we wonder whether God is good or not? Well, when we evaluate whether God is good, what, what are we actually doing? What we're doing is that we're, we're setting up a standard in our minds and we're comparing God to the standard that we have set. And so if we say, if God were good, then he would do this. Or if God were good, he wouldn't do this. But the question is, what is our standard of goodness based on? Is it, it's, it's typically based on our experiences or maybe books that we've read or um, some television shows or movies or maybe what our parents have taught us what is good, maybe what our friends think. In other words, we have our own personal standards of judging what goodness is. But we can't be the standard of goodness because there's just so many different opinions. And so therefore, God has to be the standard. There has to be one standard and any judgments we would make of what God's goodness looks like is, um, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's going to be disappointing. You know, that's why it's impossible to decide these, these questions of like, who's the greatest uh, quarterback of all time? Is it Tom Brady, Joe Montana, John Elway, you know, Brett Favre? You know, it's impossible to answer those questions. Or who's the greatest basketball player of all time? You know, is it Michael Jordan? Is it Kobe? Is it LeBron? You know, it's, it's hard because the question is, what's the standard? Is the standard the number of championships won? Is the standard statistics? You know, who creates the standard? What is the standard of, of who's the greatest of all time? And so because everyone has so many different opinions, we have to have one standard, and that standard is God. In other words, God is the standard for goodness. How do we uh, define goodness? God is the standard for goodness. I want you to know that goodness is not determined by your experience, but it is determined by the source. Let me say that again. Goodness is not determined by your experience, but it is determined by the source. You may have had a good experience, But goodness is not defined by your experience. Someone could have had a bad experience even though it is the same experience. So two people can have the same experience. One has a bad experience and one has a good experience. For example, I've had bad experiences with eggs in the past. But my experience with eggs does not determine whether eggs are good or bad. Goodness is not determined by my experience. Because from what I know... Eggs are good. They have protein, they have vitamins, you know, whatever is in eggs, you know, it's, eggs are good. But my experience may have been bad. Another example is like Skittles. Skittles, you know, they, they taste good. It, it makes me feel good. gives me an energy kick. makes me feel happy. But Skittles isn't good for me. The content of Skittles is actually bad, but my experience is very good. I, you know, I love Skittles. I enjoy it. And so we have to understand that our experience is not the standard for goodness, but in fact, God is good. Come on, somebody. And so once again, the, the, the proof of goodness isn't in the experience. It's in the source, right? Nobody likes to get a shot from the doctor, but it's good for you. And people don't want to eat vegetables because of their experience of not liking the taste, but vegetables are good for you. There's a famous passage that we like to encourage one another with, and it's this passage from Romans 8, 28. 
It says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We have to understand that God's goodness does not mean that bad things won't happen to us. We live in a bad and evil world. But because God is good, he can take the bad things and he can bring eternal good out of them if we let him. We always want to blame somebody for the bad things that happen to us. And, and since God is you know, handy, uh, we, we tend to blame him a lot for all the bad things that happen. Right? We typically say things like, if, if there's a good God in heaven, then how could he let this bad thing happen? You know, um, what are we really saying when we blame God? We're really saying, since God didn't act the way that I wanted him to act, or he didn't act the way that I thought he would act, he either is wrong, he's either bad, or he doesn't exist. Which is kind of funny because you can't really be mad at a God that you don't believe really exists, right? Can you? Like, it's like, I'm mad at that UFO, but you don't believe in UFOs. But I'm still mad, you know? So, anyways, right? Don't think that God's goodness means that bad things will never happen to you. God is still good because that's who he is. And out of his own goodness, he takes bad things that happen to you and brings eternal good out of them. You may never see the good out of them. Uh, you may never see the good that happens this side of heaven. But God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. And you can believe that. He's even able to take bad decisions by you and by other people and he works them out to, to his good plan for you. Uh, if you remember the story of Joseph, when he was sold into slavery, um, later he said to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And um, honestly, I, I don't know, always, I don't always know what good God has in mind when he allows tragedy and heartache and disappointments to come into our lives. I, I, I don't know. But then again, I, I don't have to know. What happens in my life may not be good, it might be tragic. It may be terrible. Maybe I can't see any purpose in it at all. But I can know that what was meant for evil, God can turn it into good. Once again, the Bible doesn't say that all things are good. Because disease isn't good. Suffering isn't good. Being hurt or mistreated isn't good. But God can use them to produce something good. God is working through all of your events in your lives the happy ones, the sad ones, the pleasant ones, the unpleasant ones, the joyful ones and the sorrowful ones to bring about an end result which is good. Sometimes we don't see the goodness of God, especially uh, when bad things happen to us. When we experience heartache or tragedy or a disappointment, it just seems like God isn't good anymore. Otherwise, why would God allow this to happen to us if he indeed was good? If God was good, then why did 9-11 happen? If God was good, why did uh, George Floyd event happen? If God is good, then why did my dad have to die uh, of cancer? Or if, uh, if God is good, then why is there all this suffering in this world? Why is, all there, there, where is, why is there all this suffering in, in my life? Once again, I don't know the answer to that. But God, he does know what is best because, in fact, God has, you know, uh, one up on us. He's, he's omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. You and I, we can only see things in the present tense, lens. But God sees with an eternal view lens. 
And so God has a, a lot better view of heaven than I do. And what happens to me and you may not be good, but he is working together, these things together for our good. And I can know that I can put my faith and trust in a good God. In fact, it's Satan that's trying to make us think that God is not good. Right? He brings us all of this evidence of like, see, you know, look at this and look at this suffering and look at this pain and look at this tragedy and look at that. And, and you know, he, so Satan is the one that brings all of this evidence to us. And we begin to think, yeah, God is not good. And so we blame God for all of Satan is doing to us. And then it's very easy to fall into despair. Despair, it, it grows in a soil of, of doubt. And so what Satan tries to do is that he tries to fertilize that soil of doubt. And if he can grow that soil of doubt, and that's where despair grows. There's nothing wrong with, with doubting, but, but when we begin to cultivate the soil of doubt, that's when despair seems to fall in. And even King David understood this. In Psalm twenty-seven thirteen, he said, I would have despaired unless I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, our feelings are the byproduct of what we believe. If we believe that there's no answer, that there's no solution, then we're going to feel despair. But if we believe that we're going to win the game, and then we're going to feel hopeful or we're going to feel excited. In other words, we believe in something which determines what we feel. And we can't stop our feelings, right? Unless... You stop believing that which feeds your feelings. If you stop believing in the doubt, then you can stop despair. Despair is the result of what you believe. The psalmist, uh, which is King David in this case, uh, will despair because of what he believes, but he also will not despair because of what he believes. And he believes that he will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And he admits that if he didn't believe that, he would have been in despair. But he believes that he will see the goodness of God in the land of the living because God is good. That's who he is. Also, I want us to see that the definition of God's goodness is not an absence of difficulty or pain or inconvenience or struggle. It's not an absence of those things. And this includes like waiting in long lines or being put on hold for an hour uh, when talking to a customer service representative over the phone or maybe when the DMV loses your paperwork. But this also includes a life-altering illness or a tragic accident or a death of a loved one, a breakup of a relationship or an end of a childhood dream. These circumstances do not define God's goodness. Because God's goodness was never defined by an absence of suffering, pain, or loss. God's goodness has always been defined by who he is, his character, the names of God, that he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider, that he is our protector, that he is our shepherd. Goodness is defined not by the absence of loss, suffering, or pain, but goodness is defined by who God is. Sometimes we've defined goodness as being comfortable or uh, experiencing pleasure or, or healthy and wealthy. And, and yes, those things are good, but that's not God's definition of good. You know what's good? It's good to be conformed into the image of Christ. You know what's good? It's good that one day we will stand in the presence of God for all eternity. You know what's good? 
is that we have been forgiven of our sin, that we are loved by the king. And what is good is that the truth is, while I was still a sinner, God saved me. God died for me, that he forgave my sin, that he heals our sicknesses, that he redeems us from hell and protects us, that he rewards us, he promotes us, he gives us recognition, he satisfies our desire with good things, he rejuvenates us with youthful energy, he defends us and gets justice when we are oppressed. That is the good God that we serve. And therefore, I believe that God is good. And if that doesn't prove that God is good, I'm not sure what will. Because he saved me even when I didn't do anything to deserve it or to earn it. And that's another truth. That we are not good because of anything that we've done. We are good because we're created in the image of God and that he is good. And watch this. Even my disobedience to God doesn't change how he interacts with me. God still interacts with me as a sinner with goodness. Good is actually the word God with an extra O. Someone's going to appreciate that joke soon. But God is in the word good because God is goodness, and goodness is in God, and God is good. I hope you got that tongue twister. So what does that mean for someone who's bearing the fruit of the spirit of goodness? What does that look like? Well, Galatians six ten says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. In other words, our calling and, and God's desire for us is that when he gives us the opportunity, opportunity to do good, that we would do good unto people. James four seventeen says, If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. We have to realize that we wouldn't be where we are today if it weren't for the goodness of many people in our lives. Someone did something good for you. Someone gave you an opportunity. Someone gave you food. Our Lord Jesus did good things for you and unto you. And so Psalm 37 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. We define good by our good fortune or good circumstances, but God defines good by who he is. That good is love, that good is a provider, that goodness looks like a protector, goodness looks like justice, that goodness is the execution of God's plan. And so may you be able to come to experience the psalmist's perspective when he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Let's pray. Father, help us to see that that your goodness is everywhere, that you are good and that you operate everything out of your goodness. That when we experience loss and pain and when we experience um, difficulties and struggles, Lord, it doesn't take away your goodness. But Lord, help us to see that you are good all the time. That, that your plan is is to redeem and to uh, take all of the things that are bad in our lives and that you will cause it to be good at the end. And so, Lord, we thank you. That's who you are. And help us to be good people who serve those when the opportunity arises. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, thank you, Pastor Eugene, for that encouraging word. And the word of God is always just so helpful and encouraging to to hear it preached and strengthens our hearts and souls. Well, before we close our service, I want to go through a few important announcements for us as a community. First of all, if you are a guest to our online service uh, today, we welcome you. We're so glad that you were able to join us. We hope you were encouraged by God's word to you today. We hope that God spoke life and, and hope into your situation and that you're going to continue to grow in your journey with God. If you could do us a favor and just text new to the number on your screen, we'd greatly appreciate it. It would help us to keep you posted on important things that are happening here at Grace Life. Also, if you have a prayer request, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to pray for it. You can text pray to the same number. Uh, during the week, you can find a link on our website for prayer requests as well. And we would love to be able to lift your situation up in prayer and trust God for you. It's just powerful knowing others are praying for you. So we encourage you to, to use that and, and reach out for prayer. Also, during the week on Saturdays at 714 in the morning, we meet as a community online over Zoom. Uh, to meditate on the scriptures together, to pray for one another and with each other for our community. And we invite you out to that. It's completely open, and we'd love to see you. If you could join us and make prayer a habit on the weekends, uh, we, we would love to see you grow in your prayer life. And so we encourage you to be part of our 714 uh, prayer times every single Saturday morning. Uh, we look to see you there. Also, uh, we want to just highlight the fact that right now, Grace Life, uh, we, we are open for in-person services. And so uh, today is actually the first Sunday. Uh, people are going to be gathering back in person. And uh, we look forward to those of you that feel comfortable, again, being at church. It's at 930, and we meet at the first floor of the Education Center. And so on June 6th, the entire church every day uh, campus is going to be reopening in terms of Sunday schools and children's ministries. And so that'd be, again, a great opportunity for us to regather at church with our families once again. And uh, we're looking forward to what God's going to do. Please keep these things in prayer. Keep our church in prayer. And uh, we're so thankful that you got to worship with us uh, online today, even though we didn't get to see you in person. We care about you. We're praying for you. And um, we're just so thankful for you. You're a part of our community. And we want to continue to reach out to you and, and bless you. So we, we thank you. And so with that, let me go ahead and uh, pass it back over to Pastor Eugene for our closing benediction.